a mama. I'm Ryan, and I'm not a mama. Now, here's the thing about being a mama. If you're going to lay down the architecture framework for being a mom, uh-huh. you can't bring in the memory of a child you've had previously. You have to create a new child. Okay. Okay. Just so you know. Oh, that's the, that's oh the... because then I'll get confused about which child I'm talking to? Yes. Okay. And this is Mama Needs a Movie. I'm learning a lot. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry to mansplain in that in a Leo style. He really did do a lot of explaining, and there were a lot of questions that were like, I think this question might be so that I understand. I'm not saying I don't know. I'm just, you know, right off the top. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, this is. I feel like what we're doing is a little bit like what we did in Halloween. Mm-hmm. We we opened the month with a few scary movies. And then we were like, you know what? Let's just do Mannequin. Like, let's just do, you yeah. know. And I feel well, like this is. Which is the scariest movie of all. <laughs> which was kind of a scary movie. And this month where we kind of started this holiday little season with like the, with movies that were sort of about family and food. And now mm-hmm. we're like, you know what? We're doing Inception. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, we're, we're pivoting hard away. Mm-hmm. In a, mm-hmm. in a, in which a, is really, yeah, I would way. argue, Ryan, a hundred percent about family. It the is about family. Is so about family. It actually. How is. dare you? As Dom Toretto from Fast and Furious says, it's about family. Uh, our guest today, we are, uh, we are just, we just can't stop uh, uh, scoring with super, super talented uh, guests. Our actor today, our, our, our guest today is an actor, a, a writer, a musician. As skilled a musician, probably probably as skilled a pianist as I have ever met, I would I would say. You have seen him on television. Uh, I've been lucky enough to see him in a number of plays in Los Angeles. I saw him in a play called Amos, a play with music uh, that he uh, uh, co-created with another writer, uh, another uh, talented writer we know, uh, Eva Anderson. Remarkable uh, display of his uh of his acting, of his uh, of his writing, and uh, of his musicianship, uh, he makes music right now at a, a prolific pace, a furious pace with the band "Don't Stop or We'll Die." Uh, you know him, you love him. His name is Michael Cassidy. Hey guys! Wow! Hey! Wow! What an intro! And I forget. Thank you to mention that his most important role was that a father. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, and uh, it, that's also prolific. I'm prolific as a father as well. <laughs> Do you have as many children as uh, Nick Cannon? <laughs> I don't know. Let me text him. Let me ask. Uh, I think he has no, 11 he, children. He says no. <laughs> Wait, at 11. This came up on a different show because I think mm-hmm. I think we were talking about who has more kids, Alec Baldwin or Nick Cannon. I believe Nick Cannon yeah. had Alec Baldwin beat by one. What a cool stat. Yeah. What a what a what a crowning achievement. That's like a like something that people at the turn of the century would be like, "Oh, you have nine kids?" Yeah. Nice try, dude. Do you nice. as a as a father, do you have that once you have once you once you once you are a father, does that sort of kick in like, "I should I should try to do this until like I should try to beat some records." <laughs> no. 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 Well, cuz when you actually have to take care of them, it might be a little different. <laughs> it's truly the opposite is in play. Actually, that's that makes no sense. It's not the opposite. I don't want less children. I have the great and perfect amount of children. Yes. Yeah. Everybody has the great and perfect amount of children. Yeah. Uh, but that was such a lovely intro. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to see you guys. Uh, the I love the approach from the parent angle. Let's look at movies like a parent, but also like a film 
like a, mm-hmm. you know, a cinephile, I'm down. I'm here. I'm here for the conversation. See, Cassidy gets it. Yeah, and then you know, you're also here, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've many times have, have admitted my sur- superfluous uh, nature of this show. I'm not. No, we uh, need to hear from uncles. Uncles are a valuable <laughs> asset to this. That's house. not. I didn't mean to, to limit it only to parenting. The cinephile angle is also a like yes. a crucial component. Oh no, a hundred percent. I'm just. Uh, you know, just being sassy. You balls. are being a little sassy <laughs> tonight. Are we like going to have a sassy episode tonight? <laughs> you know, we might have a sass off. Um, <laughs> I wanted to start out by saying um, dreams. Do you remember your dreams? We're talking about Inception. Do you remember your own dreams? Uh, I do, yeah. I remember a lot of my dreams. Not always, not every night I wake up and I'm like, ooh, I had 12 dreams. Here's what they're all about. But I almost always remember at least one. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have one that comes to mind? That like was a recurring, like, or perha- perhaps a recurring? I mean, multiple recurrings for sure. Um, I mean, what kind of dreams are we talking about? I guess the fun the fun ones are the terror ones, the stress, the anxiety dreams. Uh-huh, <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> the fun ones to setting? talk about later. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, my setting, uh, this will shock you, is often in performance. Uh-huh, um, yeah. Like I'm playing a piano and the keys are melting is like my version of like your teeth are gone kind of dream. Wow. Um, Or like a famous one for actors, I think, is like, oh, you go on stage and you don't know your lines. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll have a dream akin to that where it's like, hey, you're on. And you go on stage and you're like, oh, I forgot to come up with a show at all. So I'm now I'm just here. (laughs) And... Which is improv, essentially, something that I shouldn't necessarily be <laughs> terrified of in my dreams. <laughs> uh, well, I'm scared of it. <laughs> but I had, like, to be real about scary dreams, though, more than performance anxiety dreams, I've had, like, when I was a kid, I used to have a lot of dreams about, like, uh, intruders. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys ever had these dreams, and I would wake up from dreams and go, like, ooh, how can I, what are all the ways in and out of my house, and how can I protect my family from intruders that oh never came. Yeah. I never, I had a blessed childhood and never had intruders, but I dreamed of them often. Yeah, I don't know. I remember good dreams too, though. I, I remember mm-hmm. happy dreams. I wonder if it's about how close they are to the time I'm waking up, which ones yeah. I'm holding on to. It doesn't seem like I'm holding on to the more powerful ones. It's just kind of, what was I, what mood was I in at 6 a.m. before I got up at 7.30 or whatever? Yeah. Do you guys remember yours? Uh, I do, depending on the uh, the time. I think it all. I think remembering has all to do with when you woke up and how much mm-hmm. distance has passed and everything. Lately, I've noticed that my recurring is a workplace anxiety dream, and it's about a workplace. I've done I've done uh, some jobs inside uh, Thirty Rockefeller Center in my life, and, and and those jobs constantly repeated my dreams. I might dream about it every night, actually, in reality. Oh um, and these are jobs I haven't done for years. They're not even jobs I did for very long in my life. But those are that I am constantly dreaming about screwing something up, or okay, it's showtime, or this or that, or da da da. Last night I had a dream that I wrote something and it was successful and good, but I didn't credit the right person. Like there's always some. <laughs> That's such a specific dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, I've, I'm now having every variation of anxiety dream that takes place in that setting. That's my. That is absolutely for the last decade. That has been the number one setting of my dreams, uh, more than anything else. And 
Uh, and so, wow. and it's and it's almost always unpleasant and anxiety. I have almost once in a blue moon, I have a nice dream. <laughs> You're never the musical guest on SNL. <laughs> <laughs> well, what well, I've heard is that we all have a bunch of dreams every night, and it's just yeah. a matter of whether or not you remember them, not whether or not you're having them. That's what I'm told. Well, I don't know. DiCaprio wasn't having them anymore because I guess that means that none of us are incepting people. If we take this <laughs> at face value, if we take this movie as something of a documentary, mm-hmm. which is terrifying, first off. Second yeah. off, that we have to accept a bunch of different stuff, which I'm sure we'll get to, a bunch of different kind of like almost makes sense sci-fi stuff that is definitely makes sense in a dream. Like yeah. a lot of this movie makes sense while you're in a dream, but if you yeah. look at it like someone who's not in a dream, ew, it makes a sense enough to make a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it makes a sense, exactly. It makes a, it makes a sense, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which is well, great. You love a movie that has its own like logic. I love it. Right, yes. right. Yeah. And that's all you need in a story, I think. And it's a similar all you need in a dream. Uh, last night, I had a dream uh, that I was with Timothy Chalamet. And uh, Ooh, sexy I dream. No, I, I, I went to, to like hug him or something and I felt his neck and the texture of his skin is, was so real. It was insane. And I was like, Timothy, you have a fever. You're very, very hot. You have a fever. And he said, oh, really? And then I said, I'm so sorry. I'm pronouncing your name wrong. And he said, that's okay. It doesn't matter. And then I turned to my left and my friend was there. And I said, this is my friend. She's famous. So you know her. (laughs) And that's all I remember from the dream. But it was so clear. I was I think it was because I had I woke up like five minutes later that this is what I was just all day like, God, the feeling of Timothy Chalamet's feverish neck. It's really <laughs> coloring it's my whole sticking day. With you. I think you need to get in touch with him. He might have a health problem. I know. I want to tell him. Yeah. Or I mean your famous friend might be able to like reach out. Yeah, I think she's. I think she's gonna. I mean, she knows him. She can text him and say, "Just can you use a thermometer real quick?" It's funny too that I was like, I, uh, "Touching a neck is a. It's that that's that's not like a sensual dream per se, but touching a neck is such a tactile yes um, thing for. Um, I mean, what was it like?" What did it feel like? What did it, what did he smell like? <laughs> yeah. I had no scent. There was no memory of a scent. There was just the scent. I was like, I think because I have a small child who's pre it pre oiliness. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> we get oilier as we get older. And I was, I think that was what really struck me. Is like, oh, I'm feeling like a like an adult uh, neck. And that's very, very weird. But um, <laughs> I think I got no. incepted, you guys. <laughs> you got incepted by the Bones and All uh, trailer or something. <laughs> I have been walking past that. And, uh, today I, I I took a run and I was wa- I walked past the, um, yeah, the, the billboard for it at a bus stop. And I was like, oh, my God, do I have to watch this movie now that I've had this dream? Yes, you do. <laughs> I was trying to crack that what that was about the other day. I was like, what is Bones and All? And I was reading, it's like, the, the description is like, it's a cannibal road movie, romance, horror, something. I'm like, this mm-hmm. is, I mean, I like a, all the things. a cross-genre movie, but I got to know, like, 
I need to know, can I watch this like with my sister? Like I, like, like, uh, no, I, I didn't see it, but you know, is I'm, your sister, I forget. Is your sister a cannibal or not? She is. Yeah. She is. So recovering. I think you should. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. well then it might be some, it might be a little touchy. Yeah. You don't want to be responsible yeah. for pushing her over the edge. Yeah, might be touchy. Um, might be like touching Chalamet's neck. <laughs> Leads to all kinds of problems as we are discovering together here. I didn't take a bite out of his neck, though, which I'm like, hmm. It wasn't a dream. I could have done whatever I wanted, and it was just so boring. Have you guys ever experienced like lucid dreaming? Like, oh, I'm in the dream right now, and I can kind of manipulate the situation, mm-hmm. or like, I know that I'm in a dream, so I can get away with something, so I do it. Or... Uh, I have not, and I, I, I've, there's only like one or two times that I have felt like, oh, you know what? I think I can control this. I think I know what's going on. I think I'm going to start taking control, and immediately it starts to dull. Like the immediately the yeah. experience kind of starts to get less uh, exciting, like because you're conscious of it. Have you ever had it? Oh, uh, yeah. Not really. Like maybe borderline. Like I'll be in a situation where it's like, oh, I have a little bit of agency here, but the second that I try to like do some whatever <laughs> oh this is great i'm gonna be able to pull down the principal's pants yeah uh, uh-huh. then then i wake up or it goes away or dissipates then yeah. the principal disappears right when i'm pantsing the principal he <laughs> dissipates into thin air the most yeah. frustrating possible scenario yeah yeah i i think i've had i've had many dreams where i realize i'm dreaming and then it just feels Thinner, yeah. Like it's just not. It's it's like oh yeah, whatever. It's a dream. I think the realization that it's a dream and it isn't real makes it. It reduces the quality of the images somehow. Yeah, know. you're watching it on like a photocopy. And then the other thing that occurs to me is that at that moment you're like, okay, okay. Let's say you're in a dream and you realize like I'm a, I can do anything in this crazy dream. What are you going to do? You can't steal mm-hmm. money. And at that point, you can't, I mean, if you're like a psycho, you'd be like, I'm going to start murdering people or raping people or whatever. But like, you don't want, you don't really want to do, do that the in a purge. dream. <laughs> yeah. You don't. So what do you, you just go, uh, I guess I'll just kind of think I'll be like, oh, the cool. I'm in a dream. Like the, the idea of lucid dream, like what do you have? I guess you could fly and do some cool mm-hmm. stuff, you know, but it feels like you would have to have a lot of control, like much like Dom. Uh, the character in this movie, you'd have to, uh, uh, you'd have to, uh, Ooh, yeah, Dom Cobb, Dom yeah, Cobb, like, have to what are you in. gonna, what is gonna be the real life takeaway after you rob the bank in the dream or whatever? You get nothing, so it's all about like, oh, what can I like screen onto the projector on my eyelids right now that I just wouldn't normally experience, or like, oh, I can feel like I killed the king of England <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> this is not yeah. a particular dream of mine. Yeah, yeah. Let's make sure that everyone knows that. Yeah, not a dream. Mm-mm. You mentioned um, uh, performance as an element of your, as a recurring element of your dreams. I've heard various theories about how, for instance, like you, you're not able to read in your dreams, which I find to be uh, not true. I can read in my dreams. I've, I know I've read text in my dreams. Can mm. you play in your dreams? Do you hear music in your dreams? In those Ooh, scenes? that's a great that's a great question. I don't know. I feel like no. Like I don't know that there's. I don't think so. I mean, I suppose actually that there that must be true that I've performed, like that I've done like played music in my dreams. But I don't know. I can't remember that. If, if I'm doing it, I'm not like looking at the keyboard and seeing, like piano, like the piano being played. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
Maybe I am hearing music. God, that's a great. I that's never crossed my mind before. I have no idea. I know. I know many writers have have uh, story ideas, or I know I've had joke ideas or line ideas and dreams. Dreams. Have you ever had musical ideas from a dream? Has any, have you ever woke up and going like, ah, a melody? I must sing it into my phone. Mm, not really. Yeah. Not really. Mostly my dreams are like more fantastical. I suppose there are maybe ideas that come from it. It would be more like lyrical ideas, I think, that would come from it than musical ideas, though. Mm. Like uh-huh. more than a tune, I think you'd come out with like you're talking about, like a joke or a, a scene idea or something like that. Yeah, a turn of fr- poetry. Seems like a, a good place for to discover poetry, maybe. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's yeah. the level that we're talking about it's poetry i wake up with poetry on my lips uh i just waft around in the morning you know i have tea the wind blows on my balcony in the south of france yeah that's that's who i imagine writes poetry based on their dreams but yeah diane lane know. sounds like a good <laughs> diane lane picture <laughs> yep that is that is the only movie about italy Uh, So when you were a kid and you were a pre-artist, did you think that you would be a performer? Was that a possibility for you? Mm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I came from, um, my parents are both music teachers and musicians. And Uh so I was kind of immersed in music instantly. Uh, and I feel like independent of that, as a kid, I was always writing or drawing or kind of creating stuff, writing my own little newspapers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it did kind of always feel like it was trying to get out somehow, like kind of seeping through the cracks. As a performer, I feel like it didn't start until a little bit later because I feel like I was a bit introverted to start. And then I kind of came out of my shell, you know, uh, maybe middle school age-ish. Mm-hmm. And then, only then was it was like, oh, yeah, I kind of accepted that maybe I was a performer type. But before that, I was a little a little shy, shy Charlotte, uh, as they say. <laughs> and they, they uh, the, my, you know, I played music all my life, but even then, like when I would do a piano recital or something as a kid, I was petrified. It was like not comfortable for me to do that. That was mm. like um, something that I wasn't stoked for until, I don't know, later in life, I guess getting everybody's eyes on you means something different or like having everybody's attention was not mm-hmm. something that I wanted as a kid at all. Um, and my kids are not like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And if yours, but my daughter, I have a seven-year-old daughter, five-year-old son, and and my seven-year-old is is very extroverted and not shy, and like leaps into scenarios that I was, you know, not like I was at her age. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I feel like I didn't realize really until later on that maybe I was falling into the family path. Wow. Yeah, I think it's a it's such a complicated thing like how you end up the person you are is like some of it has to do with your parents but what exactly about that and music seems like a little clearer that it's a skill so whether or not you ultimately end up becoming a performer or not you have this skill potentially and that is different than like you know deciding if you're going to be a doctor like your dad or something um and that just always struck me as very interesting to kind of try and 
make your make your home have an automatic skill in it. And I, I'm not really doing Maybe. that except for drawing, I guess, but not with music. I mean, um, that's an interesting thing too, like raising my kids. Like I try not to, you know, I try not to force it on them. There's musical mm-hmm. instruments laying around all the time uh, and they're drawn to it, which is great, but I'm trying not to go like, hey, look, right. playtime, <laughs> let's go to the piano now. Uh, they're drawn to yeah. it naturally, but also something that, that, and maybe this is just my, my experience speaking, but it seems like music, you can play music at an early age in a way that is effective and is music. Whereas you might not be able to practice medicine yeah. <laughs> as a child and have it I mean, feel like shouldn't. anything more than like you got a plastic stethoscope. Yeah. Well, Doogie, how's but it? like as a kid, you can just play a piano or an instrument or something, and it yeah. is the same thing. So, so I don't know. Yeah, but and can would be you good. want them to be musicians? I mean, not not to their faces, but secretly, would you like them to be musicians? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I would like for music to be a part of their lives. I, this is something that I wish for everybody, and. Uh, I won't get on a soapbox about it, but I think every house should have a piano and everybody should just be able to, you know, be able to like play a song that they like. It doesn't have to be a piano song. That's just me because I'm a piano player, but it's fun to have a kazoo around even, a harmonica, yeah. Yeah. a little bit of music in the house, right? Why not? Yeah, I agree. I think it it's, it's the same kind of thing as writing, I really think, is that people talk about it as, well, there are musicians and there are writers, and then we don't do that. We don't. We're we're not special like that, so we don't do that. And I just think that that's that's such a sad state of affairs. It's like no, everyone can draw, everyone can write, yeah, everyone can play music. You don't have Absolutely. to be good at it. Good heavens, <laughs> yeah. The, the point of it is not to be like the best guitar player of all time. You don't you don't got to be Clapton. We just want to you know be able to sing a Howdy Doody with your kids. That's fun. I remember. Do you really do that though? <laughs> I do not sing Howdy Doody. I don't know why I said Howdy Doody. I don't know the theme to Howdy Doody, but I'll learn it now tonight. Yeah, sounds, that that sounds really like the. I'm beginning gonna have of a, a dream tonight to where I go on stage and they're like, and now Michael Cassidy performs Howdy Doody for his kids. But then your kids with no strings. My skin melts off. My face melts like in Raiders. That's how it'll go. Yeah, I mean, it's funny when I think of things melting. I do think of Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I think of uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, I think for like face melting and then for piano keys melting, I think of the um, Salvador Dali, like the uh-huh. clocks melting. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you will never stop me from thinking of those two references for melting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. incept me if you want, but that's all I got. Those are the two meltings I've got. Those are yeah, pretty, we, those are you're, pretty highfalutin. You're right. challenging us to incept a more... Uh, <laughs> I don't think of more, grilled cheese. I don't ever think of grilled cheese when you say melting. Oh, I don't boy. believe you if you tell me you don't ever think about a grilled cheese. You don't That's think of T-1000, perhaps? Or, he doesn't uh, melt. He, me- he, he breaks. That's, that's some pretty melty. That's a pretty melty man. What there. about Pizza the Hut from Spaceballs? <laughs> that's pretty nope. melty. Nope. Oh no. Nope. Um, oh Dali. Okay. Well, Dali. What oh. about yeah, the Candelabra yeah. from uh, the Liberace uh, movie? <laughs> the, oh. the HBO. The HBO Liberace <laughs> the Matt movie. Matt Damon movie. You know yeah. what? I do. I think love that you called it the Matt Damon movie. Yes, the Matt Damon movie. Yes. <laughs> it's, that's what I, it I should have said. Me. 
It would have been great if I was like, you know, the candle from the Matt Damon movie. And we're like, oh, yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> Liberace. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he melts uh, that potato in The Martian, I remember. That's a very melty movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Behind the Candelabra is an underrated movie. That movie's uh, pretty pretty interesting. Uh, it's so strange. Yeah. yeah. He underrated the Candelabra. Uh, he has to get all that plastic surgery. You know, that reminds me, though, of the other day I was watching Misery uh, with Ryan, and I, I realized all of a sudden that Kathy Bates looks like Matt Damon, and she also has a scene where she says... I have to go put on my Liberace records. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's a double feature right there. So you're saying that HBO lifted that whole movie from yeah. Misery. And Just from Stephen thinking King that she looks check. like. <laughs> this is, no. I, I saw this oh. up close and actually. This is as complicated as Inception, I think. What we're ta- we're we're getting down to the candelabra story. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wait a minute. This is. I'm just going to show you. I can. We can maybe post this somewhere or something accompanying this episode. Put but it on they, TikTok. They really do look alike. This is not. This is not some kind of crazy thing that you came up with. Mm-mm. This is like no. A, the lips. It's like their lips are the same. Yeah. This and is they're not like same. some unspoken Hollywood like like that's her son or something crazy. Can you see this? Wow, it, they do look right? similar. Like when you really look at that, it's that is secret a, Matt Damon and Kathy Kathy Bates are <laughs> remarkably. This is not the most exciting radio content, but but look up Matt Damon and Kathy Bates. I've been so impressed that someone else came up with this because it's not. There's no reason you would be thinking about the two of them ever. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's well, a real now deal. Now I feel less special because it's on Reddit. Oh well. Well, yeah. Well, not uh, everything's on Reddit. Don't feel less special. <laughs> Everything that's on Reddit is special. You hear that, everybody who's true. listening on Reddit? <laughs> You're yeah. all you are special. That's why we <laughs> do this. <laughs> it's hundred percent true, and it's special. So we, you know, we're talking about life and and the experience of watching movies. I I feel like the first time that I saw Inception, I thought it was very cool and really didn't think about it again. And then I would catch little bits and pieces of, of it on TV and be like, ooh, this part's fun. And I think it's one of those movies that you can kind of watch in pieces really well because it's kind of in pieces. Yeah. What was your first experience of Inception? Do you remember? Um, I first saw Inception at the Arclight in Hollywood, California. Oh, rest in peace. Yes. Rest in peace, Arclight. It'll be a museum or something pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> it's a national landmark. They can't, they can't tear it down. <laughs> they can't take it down. Might come back. It might, it might come, come back. back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. New um, midnight screening. Or it was a midnight regular... screening. Yes, indeed. It, and it mm-hmm. was. I was already on the Nolan train from. I mean, back to Memento, I suppose. But the the, the Batman's were all were all out by then. So he had, or was. Dark Knight Rises out by then? Yeah. Was that he Dark alternated. Rises. He did like Batman Begins, Prestige, Dark yes. Knight, this film, and then That's Dark right. Knight so Rises, Rises yeah. was after. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. But, I mean, Dark Knight, holy cow. So exactly. This, this so is good. the follow-up to Dark this Knight. This was the follow-up like, to yeah. Dark Knight. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And this was a, an OG Nolan movie from a Nolan mind, not like an IP. Yeah. Um, so there was a ton of hype. And I went and I was just like, I don't know. I was enamored with a lot of elements of the movie, not least of which was 
the artistic marriage of Hans Zimmer and Christopher Nolan, which has yielded some of like the film scores that I've listened to the most in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dark Knight being one of them also. Mm. And then I feel like I saw it in the theaters. This is one of the movies that I saw in the theaters several times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would go back for repeat viewings. And I think that's awesome, man, that you say that you can kind of like catch it on cable for a little while here and there. Because I feel like that was an early complaint was like, oh, you stop paying attention for a minute and then you don't know what's going on. You, uh, you turn your head yeah. back and what is this? We're in the snow. Yeah. Where are we? Um, so I think that's pretty awesome that in segments it succeeds on on this on their own. Well, maybe I don't mind being completely confused by things. Because That's, I think it does, I think it's it's like watching the whole of it, you're not like, oh, right, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, totally checks out, completely understand what's going on. So watching it in pieces to me isn't all that different. It's like, yeah. wait, which level are we in? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, they're wearing white. We're in the we're on the level, but no, not the bottom one. There's another one after this. There's mm-hmm. the, the house is falling apart level. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but then I remember... That year, when I went to the Del Close Marathon in New York, I also saw it in New York. I went with some pals to see it in a much bigger theater. It's fun to watch with a group of people that haven't seen it before. Now it's old enough that kind of everybody knows all the all the little all the little tricks. But I felt like I had not seen something like that before. I no. came out of it kind of yeah. uh, mm-hmm. curious about the storytelling, and then you know. You peel back the layers and you see it's a it's a heist movie with mm-hmm. with with a a complicated suit of armor on. So it's actually not that complicated, maybe. Well, uh, it's, it's mind heist. It's mind heist. They really should have just called it mind heist. Yeah. And then well, <laughs> there's I forget the composer's name, of course, but there was when they released the score or when they released the trailer of it before Hans Zimmer was doing it. Another composer wrote a piece of music that they used for the trailer that became a huge thing of its own. Like the trailer for Inception was a thing. And then the people took that song and that, that piece of music was titled mind heist. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, gosh, I should find this person's name because oh, was this like a, this is like one of those things where it's a different, Oh, was it a different score or a different? Yeah. Uh, it was just... like before the movie, it was the yes, trailer, yeah. the music for the trailer before Hans Zimmer was, had written any of the score. Yeah. Um, or before you'd finalized any of it. Anyway, it was called Mind Heist, which is funny because mm-hmm. that's a funny like composer naming a piece of music for a movie <laughs> where if Chris Nolan had named this movie Mind Heist, I think it might have not felt as smart. <laughs> <laughs> I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Maybe. Hey, I, I love Mind Hunter, totally. so I could be wrong. There's a very popular Netflix thing called Money Heist, which I found. Yes, to be, I found which to be is a very usually fu- what they are. <laughs> it's like, what other kind of heist are we gonna do? Well, Mind Heists, <laughs> duh. Also, yeah, a Mind Heist. heist. Yeah, as opposed to a Mind Heist. <laughs> Sometimes um, there are people heists, which are kidnappings. Yeah, there are all kinds heist. of heists. Classic people yeah. heists. This is a dream. You can heist, heist a lot of things, yeah. Yeah, but you can't heist. just heist stuff unless, well, Mamet is heist. But yeah. that one's just a high. Uh, that's just that's a also heist. a money heist. Let's it you is. should call that one money heist. Yeah. It's about gold. <laughs> it's love of gold. Yeah. It's um He loves gold. No, the what is it? Uh uh the the world runs on what is it? What does he say? Like oh, it, uh, uh something uh, uh, the world goes round on love or something or other, and he's like, Yeah, love of gold. It's like uh, you're fun. 
There's a good Danny DeVito line in that movie where he's like, <laughs> he's what like, it the, like money. I forget what it is. It's something, something. Everybody wants money. That's why they call it money or something. Yes, you know, no, that's fun. Lines, yeah. that's fun. That's fun. Like that's very it. good and um, makes yeah. no sense. Yeah. No, it doesn't make any sense. But it sounds so confident. I think that's all of Mammoth is just like I said it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, I said it emphatically. It's true. I mean, and I even like it. the the mind heist is a money heist. The whole yeah. thing is about corporate control plot mm-hmm. wise yep uh but like you mentioned earlier i think you're right there's quite a bit of family drama in here it's mm-hmm. all wrapped around oh my uh, god it's like interstellar uh basically uh, in that way where it's like this fa- this big high concept situation and in, you know it's different that M- mcconaughey's in a black hole but it's all about his relationship to his daughter the whole time and how mm-hmm. are they going to stay connected and this is about uh cobb and his wife that went nuts because she, they 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 found a playground where they could live forever. She yeah. didn't want to leave. Yeah. Who would? Well, Whew, here's man. what I think is this is the same as Tenet, where the mm-hmm. uh, the lady um, like she has different timelines for herself. Elizabeth the Becky. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, time away from her kids. And this is the this was the greatest uh date night of all time where they spend fifty years in this this pretend town <laughs> away from their kids. <laughs> it does really seem like a that I mean just to talk about that level of it, there's a point where they get they basically like go they, they dream within dreams until they get to a bottom limbo and this there's like limbo where time slows down to to nothing. It seems like a metaphor for like being uh, the first few years of marriage or something like oh, that's, I was trying to crack with. That's when you're over it. I kind of felt like there's parts of it that are about addiction a little bit too where you ha- you get addicted to this this place this in and, and and they even mm-hmm. show when they yeah. when they go to get um I forget that actor's name and the character's name too but the chemist that they they go and get mm-hmm. this chemist from from Morocco or something like that. And one of the mm-hmm. great like Indie Jones sequences in yes. this movie. You said. Um, yeah. Yes. And they go and they go and they recruit this guy and he's like, I've been using it quite a lot. Do you I'm not sure you want to see what I've been up to, but I'll take you to the basement where to I'm the like opium den. <laughs> so the people are like going yeah. and escaping into their dreams for yeah. uh-huh. you know and then it's like then that and Christopher Nolan's really great too, because it's like you do some visual emotional component to like distract you while I incept in the audience like the logic of, hey, on the surface, they're only in there for an hour, but they are actually dreaming for 40 hours every day. So mm-hmm. they come here and they get to dream for longer than they have time on on this earth. Um mm-hmm. which is presented as like kind of a, I don't know, third world bad thing and right, then these guys right. are like hmm yeah, yeah let's do that let's do yeah. this yeah to like oh that's so sad but then when i was watching it this time i was like oh yeah that's going to happen yeah that's going to happen yeah that'll yeah. probably happen soon that's probably the next thing is like people are really obsessed with their phones and games and then i was like oh that's the next thing that's the thing i'm going to have to be like kid you can't no you can't go to the the dream no you can't go to yeah. dream the dream den i know all of your friends are doing it sorry no oh, yeah, yeah. And all your friends are in their rooms with iv drips mm-hmm. laying in cots in a basement it is remarkable how this movie 
lays out so it, it's a it's almost like a, a, a <laughs> it, it must have felt at times like a silly movie to make because you're you're basically just sitting in rooms going like okay we're in a dream now all right and we're about mm-hmm. to go into another dream are you ready and that's really mm-hmm. the movie you just have to take it on faith that like yeah we're in a dream nothing's crazy nothing there's no special effects happening in the dream and then the actual mechanism is just this little iv thing you're talking about which is yeah. almost nothing like i've seen the movie a couple you know a couple times here and there and you i couldn't even describe to you what it looks like that the the technology he's not interested at all in the it's fentanyl obviously (laughs) it's the mj drug we all know it i mean that's interesting too because you think of the mechanisms like the plot or i think of the plot mechanisms first when i think of the movie i'm like oh the fun made-up logic it's so great like it's my my favorite thing about successful science fiction is a thing a movie that'll like introduce something that's like that makes just enough sense for the movie and it gets me to the next part and mm-hmm. that's all i need and if yeah. i think for like a half beat too long it makes zero sense that there's more time in your dream than or like yes. if you're in a van that's rolling around on the hill yeah. your dream turns upside down yeah. <laughs> like makes Zero sense. Yes. But why not? Why not? And once we've established that those are the rules, I love it. Mm-hmm. You told me what the rules are. That's all I need to know yeah. is what are the rules, and now I will believe you, even if the rules don't make any. I think that that, that is the most, that, that was the thing about um, Top Gun Maverick, I think, that was like, the reason why this movie is a hit is because you explained what is happening so incredibly clearly that no one missed it. And they were all like, great, so it's Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> yes, it that. is exactly <laughs> Star Wars. Beat for beat. And there's no shame in that. No, there's right? no shame in it. Just do Star Wars. Why not? Who yes, cares? There's no shame in it. And I think the reason why sometimes people are like, oh, this movie's confusing is sometimes it's like you have like, there's a part where where they're like, there's some confusion about like, is he going to die in real life? Like his subconscious and like Elliot Page is saying some question about like, wait, but where is he going and what's happening and something or other. And then like two minutes later, it's saying like, okay, I'm going to go outside and I'm going to go find the guy that we're incepting. And then I'm going to jump off a building. And I was like, you're just <laughs> randomly assigning lines of dialogue. Like <laughs> There are parts of it where it seems like there's just so much to pack in that they introduce obstacles and barely have time to explain how they got past them and we're already on to the next (laughs) thing, which is what makes it kind of like a breakneck pace. Especially towards the end, yeah. That's like the whole logic of like, oh, whoever's dream we're in, that's who presents the danger to people, which is the fun of like, oh, we're going to present this flawed hero because this hero is the guy with all of the abilities to gather the right crew and he can do the stuff. But also, if we're in his dream, we're fucked. We can't do this because his wife is going to murder everybody. Yeah, Mal coming after you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Which is also great. I love that too, that there's like, um, that there's an element of this guy that... He is addicted to the memory of his wife. You know, it's the same as like shooting heroin in my mind. He's like, he opens the little briefcase, sticks a thing in his arm, and he gets to be with his wife in the basement, in the cold, oceany basement. Um, Which, so that that's the part of it that like feels like an an addiction allegory to me. Mm. Uh, Yeah, and that and that Elliot Page is the one that's like, hey, 
what are you doing down here? Yeah, you immediately told though. Anybody about this part? Yeah, <laughs> truly, that's right. <laughs> like, 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 just like. Oh no, this took me four minutes to figure this out. That is so funny that that's probably, I think that's like an hour into the movie where yes. he goes to Michael Caine and is yeah. like, hey, I need a new person. Um, but what class but yeah, does Michael instantly- Caine teach? What is that class? Great. I don't know. All what we know is, is that. The, isn't it is engineering or something? Isn't it? Isn't it? Is it though? Because the way. Is it that, architecture school of the mind? <laughs> it's something because the test is like, and which the test I think is like so a scene that I was like, oh, this really is what Nolan is saying is this. It's a kind of a, a on the surface, it seems like a very simple scene, but he says uh, when he's recruiting uh, Elliot Page there, he says, Draw me a maze in one minute that it takes, or no, draw me a maze in two minutes that it takes me one minute to solve. And I'm okay. like, okay. And then you see that play out through the rest of the movie, like like new, as he's explaining the plot, new, literally new bridges are being built and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, whatever, like you're seeing the architecture of the film change. I'm like, this is kind of a bullshitter storyteller's metaphor in a way it's almost like what it is to be a filmmaker it's like okay design something real fast that we're all going to believe yeah yeah yeah. no no that makes sense it does Uh, yes i feel like also that nolan he had said that he kind of modeled the the team like the mission impossible team members are all kind of like fixtures of a film set Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. oh like Mm -hmm. dicaprio is the the director he's christopher nolan Basically, mm-hmm. um, obviously, it's like yes. it's his thing. He's also and... a Scorsese, though, which is interesting. <laughs> and a Scorsese, and a Scorsese. Don't 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 forget about Scorsese. The uh, mm-hmm. and like and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is like um, the producer who like achieves that result. Like, oh, what does the director want? All right, I'm going to make sure that this all happens. And Elliot Page is like the like a production coordinator type that's like okay i'm gonna be designing the worlds or whatever mm-hmm. um i forget what else he said but i remember th- this is like age an age is a, a decade old interview with christopher yeah. Nolan that well, i'm Tom paraphrasing the right actor. now i mean he's the he's the uh yes he's like totally a, i guess he's the like, forger he of this movie. The yeah, yeah playing a role yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah. it's like uh yeah cillian murphy is like the the crowd the audience like it's all for him to it's all for yeah. him to yeah. digest. The uh, Ken Watanabe, or the he's the Saito. He's the money man. He's the he must be some producer yeah, of some kind. Guy. Yeah, Watanabe. So that's got to be is... like the studio, yeah. or something. The the and network. Yusuf is the uh, the drug dealer that comes to your set. He's craft services. <laughs> Speaking of which, a, a friend of mine, uh, uh, you, uh, you might know Charles Ingram. He told me this years ago. He heard it from somebody. I think this is okay. The characters are Dom, Arthur, Yusuf. Mal, uh, Aradne, Ariadne, 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 yeah, pronounce it. Robert Ames Saito. Uh, in that order, uh, the first uh, letter uh, of each name uh, creates the acronym Daymares. (laughs) (laughs) That can't be right. I mean, sure, but that can't be a thing. That sounds so cheesy. No, really are you that's not are you an Elon Musk in the in, in, I'm in the saying midst? Daymares. Daymares. Oh my god. Well, um, Ariadne is is she's the one that um, um, rescued. Who was it? She rescued from the Minotaur. Oh yeah, like the, the puzzle. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is Theseus the Minotaur and then, guy? Yes, that- yeah, Theseus. And then she marries Dionysus, and then she's like, something happens to her. Like, she's abandoned in the underworld. Like, she, she's, she's like the... Uh, like the Greek myths and the Roman myths are are like variations on the same thing, but Dionysus is like the like the Jesus character sort of. But then she marries him, so I was like, okay, so if you're Ariadne, then you're the wife. So are you are you like are you trying to say something here by using that myth, or are you just using the puzzle part of it and leaving out the sort of creation god? being married to that character yeah it almost feels like a surface level lift if it's yeah like did you mean just like person that does stuff (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i don't know i was like wait because if if you're saying that there's some sort of relationship there then it's like oh that's kind of i have to say just to get to the parent part of it i was like thank you so much for not murdering your children because you don't think they're real like uh, good choice in the world of this what is movie. This sh- yeah, this can't be another Shutter Island on our hands. I here. know. What is DiCaprio was like? You know what would be great is if I had a uh, not real wife. Back That's to what back, I'm into. same year, and I was actually looking at that going <laughs> same year. Yeah, going the the house looks the same. The Shutter Island house does look like the house because they show it earlier too, right? That's in when like a. Uh, when Leo is showing Elliot Page around their little playground that they went through, and and it's at the um, at the Mark oh, Taper yeah. downtown yeah. Los Angeles local <laughs> local trivia yeah. that section was shot downtown at the Amundsen Theater CTG. Mm-hmm. Oh, but on all there's all like the homes that she lived in, like floating on the water, and it's like oh, there's that one, and there's there's that one that she grew up in, that one. Like he says, though he points out and he says, this is where. Mall became pregnant, and I was like, "That isn't the language that I speak. What are you? Like, what a weird choice of you know words." What? I this bumped on me too because I watched. I didn't watch the whole thing again uh, last night, but I watched this part. And he, she, he does say something like, "And when, when we had our child, this became our home." There's like some like yeah, weird so language strange. there, and also that's a little. That's a little on the nose too. That the the villain's name is Maul. Right? A little, yeah, a little. A I think little, I sure. think it's it's like. Do you think no one speaks Spanish? I mean, <laughs> I, Maleficent is my favorite movie of all time, so I can't fault it that much. <laughs> you guys it's know so this. Subtle. Yeah, you see my Maleficent yeah. tattoos all over my face and arms. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can't see Cassidy right now. <laughs> He's wearing the horns. <laughs> yeah, and I have the horns on. Yeah, just because it's yeah, a big yeah, night. Yeah, I know. Night. I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that there's some elements in this movie that are just so fun that they go. They also, I mean, aside from the characters being characters from a, from a movie production, they go into different sets of a movie where it starts out and it's more of like a like a maybe sort of like an old timey adventure story with like Alan Ladd going to a foreign country trying to find a mysterious woman or something. And then we end up in a James Bond movie. Absolutely. I mean, it, by the end, I feel like it's so James Bond. The the Wonder snowy the snowy deepest layer is that um, uh, what's the um, 
uh, that's Her Majesty's Secret Service, I think, right? Mm-hmm. The snowy one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, some argue the top of the top of the band, top I of the Bond franchise. This. I keep hearing it. Yeah, that's one of the best. Um, but there's also like I hear you on that, Anne. That's so true that like you you see them capitalizing on the currency of dreams. We're going to make a movie that's set in dreams. Where can we, where's all the spots that we can go? And we get the big ocean side sequence. We get the cityscape sequence. We get the rain, the rainy, like uh car crash mm-hmm. sequence. We get the like Indiana Jones mm-hmm. sequence where we're like doing truly the market run from Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah. is in there. <laughs> and like the, the big like, Running through the bazaar and yeah. b- bumping people with baskets of snakes oh, or those whatever. Carts, you guys, don't yeah. put those the carts, carts in the those road. Carts. <laughs> Get those fruit carts out but of that's there. it is so effective too that, and you're able to kind of uh, intercut between all of those at the same time. It feels like kind of a real realization of what might have been a germ in Christopher Nolan's mind of like, what if we can just kind of be going in and out of all these layers at the same time the same same characters at the same time and then there's that whole that that hotel sequence that spinning hallway mm-hmm. sequence so that's like when i think of the movie i feel like that's one of my first punches to my mind is them like rolling around on the walls in the in the hotel yeah when they're all stacked like, up pushing <laughs> pushing floating bodies around so uh, fun yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's I we were I was just talking to Ryan about this about how he loves to uh see the, the main actors in the background basically used as extras in a mm-hmm. scene because it happens so rarely. And I had that thought watching watching them all getting stacked up. I was like, oh, DiCaprio isn't really in this scene. He's just an object in this scene. And that's that's kind of exciting. Like what a big movie this is. <laughs> all these actors are just kind of like, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're there, but they're not really doing <laughs> anything. Man, I've never around. thought about that before. That is kind of a rare thing. <laughs> isn't a long it? Day you see him. like principal actors. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just kind of like leaning against a wall while some other people are talking or yeah. Asleep yeah. in this movie. You yeah. see yeah. DiCaprio yeah. and, uh, Joseph Jogolo, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and like uh, (laughs) he's the star. Watanabe is asleep. Sally Murphy, like you just see them with their eyes closed, like floating around or like (laughs) like drooling. That is great too. Like it's not without action, also, which is maybe the success of Christopher Nolan. Or hey, maybe we should credit the actors for rolling around in the van and their arms go like whoosh through the air. Oh my goodness! yes. Yes. That's good acting. Yeah, I love is. it. And it I truly well, believe that's not me yeah. even teasing. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, except for yeah. the part where DiCaprio gets kicked into a bathtub. He's really getting kicked into a bathtub. Oh, yeah. They're really <laughs> that's doing it. acting. <laughs> yeah, that's real. That was pretty good. I love, though, that he always has Lucas Haas in his movies. He's like, buddy, I got you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, I would totally do a Lucas Haas if I ever had any kind of power well, at all. I'd be like, you know, yeah, I'm going to bring on my, my, my friends. <laughs> they're part of the same. Uh, I don't want to say that what they, what the, the name. I of their know, group, but I they're, know, they're, they're, they're I part, know. We all know that. Yeah, they got yeah, that, yeah. Know, yeah know. We know, we know. We got, I know. We I would, um, I would hate them in real life. I'm just saying that. Yeah. I don't in pictures. I like the idea. The complaint about this movie when it came out, I remember this. It was a common gripe you heard about it was that. Why did Nolan make it just look like James Bond? Like you can do everything in a dream. Why did he just choose these, like, why Why is this guy's dream just to look like an action movie? 
which maybe at the time I was like, hmm, I guess you can do a lot with dreams and maybe this feels limited. But A, watching the film again, I was like, hey, you got to pick fucking something. Like, just pick a thing for the movie to be about. And this movie picks something that is is like you see in movies. And B, I think there's a case to be made that dreams aren't all that bizarre. Like, when you really think about your dreams, I was actually thinking about the movie Living in Oblivion, the movie where Steve Buscemi directs a movie and he's directing a... There's a, oh, yeah. he's directing a scene with a with a, a dwarf in it. Peter Dinklage just plays a dwarf in it, and Peter Dinklage says, "I don't." He said, "He said, when have you dream, had a dream about a dwarf? <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. dream about dwarves. No one dreams about this. Like this is not a thing that people dream about." And I think that when uh-huh. we think about dreams, we think about all this crazy, <laughs> crazy Dali type stuff. But in mm-hmm. reality, well, I do. Dreams, I do because I yeah. think I, you know I I'm interesting. Yes, go on. Yes, <laughs> Anne. We heard about the dripping watches already. We get it. <laughs> but I would make the we argument that most dreams are look more like inception dreams. See, I think I think that for me it's not they don't look like inception dreams. I think it's like it's a very small image and then there's blackness all around it. Like I've never I don't have dreams where it's it's as expansive and IMAXy as this. Mm-hmm. Maybe other people do. I don't know. I I yeah. feel like there's a couple of there's like a production argument for it that's just like uh, choosing uh something that people want to watch for two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. I think that's um, valid. <laughs> and there's another one. I think there's even a, a justifiable story argument where, if the goal is to present, is to incept an idea, and you want to have as many few unusual moving parts going on, you would mm-hmm. want to make it look kind of like realistic or natural or something, and yeah. not like a burning toad is handing them like a goblet and they drink from it and then they get the idea. Like, mm-hmm. do you guys know the movie, um, uh, a Robin Wright movie called The Congress? Did you ever see that movie? No. This was a movie, um, gosh, I don't know, probably 10 years ago, maybe not quite, but it was a movie about uh, a near future where actors are just being captured and recorded and Robin Wright plays herself in this world. And it's like, you're one of the last actors standing. Everyone else has been just like recorded, which means they pay you $5 million. They record every expression you could ever make and move, you record your body. Mm. And then you're just programmed into movies and can never act again. And Robin Wright's like, no, I want to act. And she finally like does it and does the Uh thing. And it's like, takes the payoff. And then the second half of the movie is insanity crazy dreamscape animated it turns from like a totally like linear robin wright's going through these like like litigious processes of like doing this thing and it's like going in and getting captured and then it goes bonkers which is what i think the alternative would be ryan if 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 they had indulged in like oh we're gonna do every dreamscape and now he's in like a dolly land and Mm -hmm. now now in Dollywood, in Dollywood, in Dollywood, <laughs> that would have been great if they had done some of it in Dollywood. Yeah, um, but like you know, if if Leo and Bane and Joseph Gordon-Levitt and all these guys, they're all in like a land with sand monsters and like big mm-hmm. worms crawling over their heads. Uh, it does become less focused on what we're after, which is a heist. Yeah, seems like then it becomes about. How many different things can we do? 
uh, I don't know. Mostly, I think it's the first thing that uh, the most marketable thing is to make a Bond movie that's not a Bond movie. That's my that's my. Well, real I think it's take. not yeah. as. I think it's also become silly. Yeah. If it's too much of a dream, it's it's like it's not so like. Well, this is really deadly serious. But then when you introduce the weirdness of dreams, then it then I think it would tip the audience off to like some of this stuff doesn't make sense and yeah. maybe this whole movie is funny and bad uh i was watching uh interstellar where they're on the planet and they're saying like well the number of years the number of minutes here calculus to years there and this and i was like god nolan you really like this yeah <laughs> he loves there's it. a lot of tenant really? in here too you see yeah. the blueprints tenet, of tenant yeah. yeah dunkirk where, also. and tenant i love tenant um but this does feel like the primer, like a more digestible mainstream version mm-hmm. of Tenet, where yeah. instead, of, we're talking about levels of dreams here, and Tenet, you start talking about levels of time and moving backwards and forwards, and like, yeah. you know, you need a visual aid to kind of really keep track of everything that's going on there. Yeah. Like, I feel like in Interstellar also, the signposts are just way more firmly planted yes. and yeah. in Inception most of all I think probably because it just was an earlier uh, version of like articulating this kind of thing it's so clear moving from layer to layer without us introducing an animated dragon or a world where we're all gas or some crazy dream stuff mm-hmm. like visually it's still different enough that we get through the movie and it makes sense and you get I mean, part of it is probably also you don't want to not see the faces of this cast because it cost a fortune, I'm sure. And everybody's (laughs) like top line. Yeah. And every single character is like you want to be able to see even when they're asleep and being like rolled down a hallway unconscious. Like you want to see Leo's face as much as possible. I think that was the the thing that I I remember vividly, the feeling I had in the theater watching this was like, I I don't know what I expected. I thought I was going to see like, maybe, oh, he's doing a dream movie. There's going to be a lot of crazy uh, images or something in it. And the thing, and there was, it's, it's late in the movie. It's like an hour and a half into the movie. And I was like, I was, it was exactly the realization of I've never seen this time, this nesting doll time thing before in a movie. Mm-hmm. I've never seen three scene, scenes happening at once and one all the way down to the music is slowed down and the, in the turtles uh, all the way down. Yeah. yeah. Um, turtles. <laughs> yeah. And that, that was the revelation. It was like, ah, it's, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a dream movie, I guess, ostensibly, but it's, but it's really more of a layer movie. And it's like that. And even though, even parts of the movie I found unpleasant or tedious or or whatever. I was like, I have never had this experience ever in my life. Yeah. It's kind of cool too to think like, I mean, I don't know what happened, but I can imagine a moment of inception for the concept of the movie where it's like, you know, in Die Hard, the the vault dude is um I forget that character's name, but he's always kind of calling down and seeing like, all right, we got through layer one mm-hmm. and then one door mm-hmm. opens yeah. and then we get through like the next little chicken and like each one has its own little layer of challenges. Yeah. That mm-hmm. This is the layers of the vault is the layers of Cillian Murphy's brain. Uh, and that's about as far as that lo- logic stands up in the movie, in my yeah. opinion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm fine with that. I yeah, can that's take totally that. Fine. Yeah. And roll with it. It's fine. It doesn't have to make sense any further than that. 
even the gambit within the that's maybe the most bond element to me is when uh things are going a little sideways so Cobb does uh what is it Mr. Smith or Mr. Clark or something like that he plays this character that's like oh, hey Mr. I'm Charles Mr. Charles that's it yeah. yeah yeah and he approaches the mark in the dream as if he's someone who's protecting him yes. from the people who are doing what mm-hmm. he's doing to him that's maybe that seems like the bondiest bit it's, yeah me. it's it's great it's the it's a it's a fantastic double cross of like yeah, yeah you would i think that the Cillian murphy character it just on his own if he's this guy who has this very conflicted relationship with his dad and then people are telling him all these different things it's like his timeline is mostly uh, someone who's going through really extreme therapy, it seems like. <laughs> that yeah. he's like, I don't know who I am. And he he wakes up at the end of it being like, no, my father did love me. And now my life's going to be different. And it's like, <laughs> like, could you do this? Because this would actually be great. Because who cares if your dad loved you? If <laughs> you just say he did. And then you wake up and you feel better? Well, that's kind of how they have to, like, Tom Hardy lays it out is, like, the first level is, like, it's laid out in psychological re- revelations. Yeah, I will not he, father in my, like, fa- that's my how father's you do footsteps. It. I will create something for myself. Yes. My father doesn't want me to be him. Those yes, the, like, but he does love me and yeah. support me. It's <laughs> yeah. like, I think it's, it's, but, but the way, the way, as you said, Bane, the way Bane is, is just like, oh, yeah, you just do the thing with the dad. <laughs> it's like, oh, is this everyone? Yeah. Does everyone need this fixed? And I love this as an idea of like, you could have made a, just a movie about some place where you can go to resolve all your your issues by just saying, no, it didn't happen. Not we need to talk about it and do talk therapy and cry and whatever. It's just, it didn't actually happen. And you know, I, I don't know, something that's a testament to the movie and the idea too is that it's all kind of pre Black Mirror era. Yeah, yeah. Because Black Mirror did all this stuff well, mm-hmm. again afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the pig thing is not in quite. this movie though. What's that? <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. But <laughs> they didn't. Not quite. <laughs> um, that is like a nightmare though. That was that's something I would expect to see in an actual nightmare. The premiere of Black Mirror. Yeah. Yeah. And also, just to, it, part of the inspiration, uh, and Nolan is on the record for this. It's a, a, a different TV show inspired him, which is there was a, when the Nightmare on Elm Street movies were popular in the uh, late '80s. There was a briefly a a television spinoff called Freddy's Nightmares, which I've seen a few episodes of. Oh yeah, and he Freddy's Nolan Nightmares. <laughs> Nolan did says, he love that? <laughs> there is truly there. He is he is on the record for saying I watched this show called Freddy's Nightmares, and there was an episode where. <laughs> Uh, they uh, someone wakes up from a dream, and then they wake up from that dream, and they and then they wake up uh-huh. from that dream, and there's layers of dreams. And I thought that was terrifying, and that uh-huh. was another seed for this. Was like was uh, this recollection something he'd seen on Freddy's Nightmares, the television show? Wow. Um, so kind of rather, uh, this is not like um, highfalutin science fiction. So he probably didn't. Didn't mean anything more than she likes to make puzzles about Ariadne. It seems, probably means know. that. It seems like a missed opportunity that he didn't call the movie Chrissy's Nightmares. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, Maybe it's Chris, not too late. Yeah. Maybe we yeah. could. 
maybe we could get to him and maybe they could retroactively retitle it Chrissy's Nightmares. <laughs> yeah, they could do a, like mm-hmm. a live die repeat on this movie. It's not a scary movie, but it is like I believe the dramatic moments. That's tough. Those scenes uh between Marion Cotillard and and Leo DiCaprio? Leo DiCaprio? Leo mm-hmm. DiCaprio. Well, that's yep. the sh- shark tail Like the version. whole, the jumping out of the building <laughs> yeah. thing. Because yeah. there's so much that you have to understand to get the stakes for yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio in that scene that it's really hard to see them going like, uh, having this angsty, list like carnal moment. And the the image of the kids feels like a little bit of a, I don't know, it's not a crutch necessarily, but we mm-hmm. see those kids so many times in the movie. Yes, but we, we see don't. Them so many times. Yeah, it's we like let's just cut to, to the them kids a dozen times. Do we really have to see them every single time he goes in there? Also, I'm not complaining. I love the movie, but just I'm just saying we see them Too much kids. every single time. Hey, that's what happens. He's got PTSD. That's what happens. Yeah. You gotta accept it. Yeah, but do you think that the kids are real? Like, were they ever real? Well, well I mean, mm. were, are they real now? Because I find it strange that everyone's acting like he's been gone forever and the kids are the same age. Mm-hmm. That um, seems real fake. I I had, like, stored it in my mind that that Michael Caine was, like, real, real world. Mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. And if Michael Caine is a part of, if he's in the scene, then it's like a real scene. Mm-hmm. And he is in the scene at the mm-hmm. end with the mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. So maybe an argument, I mean, this is me bending time and space, but maybe he's picturing them at their current age in all of his visions, uh-huh. even though they were younger at some of the times that it would have been. I don't know. Uh-huh. There's one way to justify that. Oh, so <laughs> he aged make them up instead of the other way. Yeah. Like ages them, oh, right. Ages remembers them, the them five years ago, but remembers oh, them at their yeah. current age. Or actually, they're not even yeah. that old, but yeah, exactly. Huh. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if that's even true, but Michael, because Michael Caine is her dad, right? Yeah. That's yeah. that's his father-in-law, ex-father-in-law. Yeah. yeah. But also- what a dream way- father-in-law we could all wish. <laughs> oh, God. Michael Caine is our father-in-law. Yeah, Michael Caine. Michael Caine is my father-in-law. I would be very into that. I would be so, I would be like, I'm sorry. I don't really want to hang out with you anymore. I just want to hang out with my father-in-law. Yeah. Can I just hang out with your dad and you can go be with the kids? Is that awkward? <laughs> yeah. There was a Sex and City about that. She's like, I like the guy, but I really like the mom. I just like, need to talk about dirty, rotten scoundrels for maybe uh-huh. 10 or 20 hours with this guy. <laughs> Yes, of all his movies, yeah. <laughs> that's the one. Oh, God. I mean, that's my number. Uh, <laughs> that might be my favorite Michael Caine movie. I don't know. I'm not a, not ashamed to admit it. I, no, I mean he's been no in answer with so Kane. many. Well, we did get Carter earlier this year. And, oh, nice. Uh, the scene where he comes outside with his pasty white butt, completely naked, holding a mm-hmm. shotgun, I think <laughs> is just one of the greatest moments in cinema. It's just so great. You just can't go wrong. This, this Kane is the best. He's a, he's a this same dynamic is he's sort of raising the kids, right? Uh, yeah, seems like with yeah. Grandma yeah. who doesn't in, appear. Isn't that strange though that Grandma yeah. doesn't appear anywhere? And in Interstellar, John Lithgow is raising the kids. Yeah. When McConaughey goes away. And they're yeah. both like daddy's gotta go work type 
stories. Yeah. Grandpa's going to take care of you. Grandpa's going to take- right. Yeah. That's the same. That's yeah. the same. What's going That's on another, in the Nolan man, That's family. another great score, Interstellar. I think that a lot of these movies, a lot of movies about people that are uh, made by people uh, who are away a lot are about how it's actually okay that they're away from their kids all the time. Like, Wow, Anne, I love that. <laughs> I think you're right. I love that. I have yes. to. I'm busy. It's really important. <laughs> that is so, I that has never crossed my mind that Christopher Nolan, I mean, his first movie, I think he and his wife made together. Um, couple oh, of yeah, movies. Following? Yes, Following. Mm-hmm. Right, they like made it on the weekends, like on the cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, but- then he becomes a director, and no matter how much of a family man you are, you're in another country for three, four, six months of the year. Mm-hmm. So you start writing scripts that are about <laughs> justifying how you can be an awesome dad. You're too busy saving the world. Yeah. While yeah. you're not there, that is fascinating. Yeah, for um, sure. This, All uh, these people in the movie too were away from their kids. Yeah, they everybody in Interstellar in yeah. England. Exactly. <laughs> I guess Tom Hardy lived there. It's hard to imagine Tom Hardy having children. How does Tom Hardy <laughs> talk to children? <laughs> Something like this. He's like, "All right, so uh, we're gonna, you know, we're just gonna uh, play a watch football and." Uh, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I just can't imagine him. Like, I, bet I can't he's a imagine sweetheart. him with I bet like he's a five-year-old. Picture him. He's got a little apron, a little, a little uh, apron that he got from the rat party from Locke. Uh huh. He's making he's making cookies for his kids. Yes, so the ba- the baby that was in the movie, <laughs> the baby that's in Locke. But it says, "Kiss the chef." Uh, lock at the bottom. Well, yeah. Tom Hardy's Kiss got the three psycho. kids. There's three lucky kids out there that call their dad Tom Hardy. I, or, or I don't think Tom they Hardy call dad. him Tom Hardy. Maybe they call him Tom Hardy. <laughs> I do. I do hope that someone calls their father by their first and last name. That's pretty. Uh, funny. My son. My son. Walt. My son calls me by my full name. Quite he frankly. does. Yeah. He does. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. He does. It's true. Hi, does he Cassidy? do it because he he thinks it's he thinks it's like edgy? Uh, not necessarily. I think he reads it and he like uh-huh. he'll see it on like Facetime calls as part of it, and then <laughs> then partly for fun. Yeah. Wait. So you're saying that your son is five and can read? That's oh, pretty yeah. impressive. Well, uh, my son is on the spectrum and uh-huh. is fantastically advanced. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And this is not even you know. He is uh he's been able to do a lot of things for a while. He's he can read English and Spanish and write. Wow. Multiplication, division, he's he's all over the place. Um it's highly impressive. <clears throat> wow. Um, wow. Yeah. He's starting to play music a little bit too. I'm not forcing it on him, like I said. <laughs> he's sort of starting he to plays sound the like you are a little bit. If he's going to if he wanders over towards the keyboard, what am I going to do? I'm yeah. not going to teach him a little tape his fingers little, to it. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He's glued to it right now. Quiet. Be quiet. Because that was that that was the story about Tiger Woods that his dad was so obsessed with him golfing. And it worked. And look at him. He was so healthy and fine. Oh, man. And look at this guy. I, I would only wish for that life for my son. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. If only he could be, have yeah. every element of Tiger Woods' life. That's my dream. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. I think I think that's like, it, it must be weird if you're 
if you're a kid and then you 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 start to grow up and you start to see your parents as as just people and i think it took me an incredibly long time to see my parents as people but if they're making movies it's just got to i mean i think about this whenever i write anything i'm like oh my god i'm going to this is going to be something my actual human child is aware of me being inside which is sort of terrifying isn't it mm-hmm. Yeah, if you create something and you make it and it's in the world now forever, then later on your kid comes along and is like, "Wait, what's this? What's this screenplay? Yeah, my mom wrote. What's 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 this album that my dad made? This is bonkers. This is an yeah, insane who is person. This guy? Uh, or uh, they love it and they're like, "Wow, yeah. so impressed." But do you ever um, think about that when you're making stuff? Like, oh, my kids will. Well, no. I will now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, not really. I I uh I have started making stuff though with with my daughter in particular. She's a bit of a she's she's a songwriter in her own right. She's seven years old and is a certainly a songbird. And we record mm-hmm. songs and stuff. And I'm trying to like kind of produce them a little bit and kind of make you know, record tracks mm-hmm. with her. But I do, that's the only time that this occurs to me where, cause she'll also kind of do these, uh, faux YouTube videos. Like, Hey guys, I'm making a craft now. And this is, I'm going to draw this thing and I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you like I'm on a YouTube video and get down uh-huh. there in those comments and mm-hmm. hit the subscribe. Cause she's learned that from YouTube, but we're not putting it on YouTube, uh-huh. but, we're, <laughs> but we're making the video, you know, we're shooting the videos cause she loves doing that part. Uh-huh. Uh, Anyway, then it crosses my mind of like, oh, if it crosses the line of I start putting my kid out into the the universe as a thing, mm-hmm. and then yeah. later they come back and they're like, you put these YouTube videos of me making uh, cooking or whatever? Yeah. songs? How dare you? <laughs> you humiliated um, me. Or they'd love yeah. it. I don't know. But that's, I, don't know. I assume that they would be. That's my future tripping. I Assume they'd be humiliated by it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I do seem like there is a phase where they think that you're the dumbest person in the world that I've heard of. I never mm. went through that. I, I'm very mature always, but. <laughs> you never went that, through that with your parents, you mean? I mean, I'm kidding. But I think when I was a kid, I was like, oh, wow, you understand and know everything. And then it took me, I think I'm a little slow, but it took me a really long time to be like, oh, no, you're just. You're just people. You're just kind of weird people. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I had the experience where when I would reach the age that my parents were when life events happened, that's when it started Uh kind of like the tiles kind of clicked into place for me Mm. in terms of like, oh, you were just like, when this happened, you were just like... 30-year-old people doing their best, right. man. Just like <laughs> trying to figure it out. And you made some decisions. And yeah. I thought at the time that that was a little whack because I was a child, but you were also children too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and like, there's a lot more maybe empathy or forgiveness for, for certain things when you get a little older and you're like, oh, you understand uh, that every decision is not made with like... Uh, <laughs> a lot of foresight and pondering. Sometimes yeah. life happens and you just <laughs> yeah, do sometimes. stuff. 
because you have to make a decision and a decision is made and then you forgive your parents for some decisions that were made. <laughs> I don't know. That was my experience anyway, <laughs> or has been so far. Yeah, because I think that, I think, I mean, just sort of weirdly get back to the movie. I think there's a way in which <laughs> it's so soothing to think that that there's like a final point, like that that kind of how they get to Cillian Murphy ultimately is they're like actually this this garbled thing that your dying dad said had significance. It did. Mm-hmm. It didn't just mean nothing. Which actually, that's probably what most people's experiences is like. I don't know. You know, they were confused and then they died. Like I don't know. But yeah. I think it's so satisfying to think that, oh, at some point you will understand that seemingly random or stupid decision that your parents made was actually brilliant. I think the desire to see it as brilliant remains, or for me it did for a really long time. <laughs> and uh, Postlethwaite? That's his last Oh, yes. Postlethwaite. Pete Postlethwaite. Yeah. Him saying uh, disappointed is like a reverse rosebud. Yes. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you you think it's meaningless, and then later it has meaning instead of like Rosebud is like, wow, that's the whole movie is what does that mean? It yeah. has importance, and then it kind of does, but the importance is the dis- like the journey of finding it out or yeah. whatever. Yeah. As my two second. <laughs> yeah, that's what Citizen Kane is about. Most famous movie of all kind, all time. But but well, but like, that one's also about his mom. His mom sold him, and then he's upset about it for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. I like Reverse Rosebud. I think they should have. That's another. Uh, we got a lot of great alt titles here <laughs> for Inception. Reverse Rosebud. Uh, yes. Chrissy's Nightmares. Mm-hmm. I think people get confused that it's something to do with uh, uh, Stranger Things. Because mm. of uh, Chrissy Wake Up. Which well, I've heard. Stranger Things is stepping on everybody's toes these days. <laughs> they're taking, there's, they're stealing <laughs> from dreams. all of the greats. Which uh, respect. That's what you do. Yeah. That's what Christopher Nolan's done. Yeah. Uh, I know. There's a similarity there of like, oh, let's just take the genre, uh, and 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 insert some new people into this, and then you'll be comforted and feel. I don't really. I think I used to be more like. Everything has to be original, and uh, or else you're a terrible artist or something. But I, th- I think similar to the way that there's been more food, where it's like, yeah, but it's American versions of these things made by people who moved here, lived in Nebraska, and it's like, yeah, they're making American Nebraskan food from China. It's like, yeah, that is that is original. The basis may not be original, but the the outcome of it is original because you took this stuff, you processed it, all this crap that came into your head, you processed it, and you came out with something. Like Christopher Nolan didn't just make another Freddy show. He was like, okay, I'm going <laughs> to take this seemingly lowbrow thing and make it into something that incorporates a lot of different elements that are not what I originally received. I totally agree. Like um, the the bad taste it leaves in some people's mouths that, oh, this movie was just totally derivative of that movie. Um, and there are some examples where it's like, oh, there's some movies that are just mad libs and mm-hmm. aren't satisfying. But uh, people doing different versions of the same movie 
is all of movies. That's mm-hmm. that's yeah. been said a billion times. <laughs> yeah. Like there's I don't think it's necessarily as simple as there's only one story, but you know, the, everything is lifting from everything at all yeah. times. So being yeah. forgiving of something that seems like it's not an entirely original premise, which doesn't even exist anymore. What what mo- you know, very rarely a movie comes out and you're like, "Wow, a brand new thing I've never ever ever seen or thought about." Yeah, I mean, what uh, I would argue with Nolan is that he is—he's he's one of the people working on a, on this level who is really swinging for the fences in terms of original premises. Um, I would say the I would say this film, Interstellar and uh, and Tenant, are are some. He's 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 ambitious. I mean, they are ambitious films, and he's working in forms. He has to pick a form, so he picks James Bond or whatever. I think Michael Mann maybe is an influence in there, or Ridley Scott's an influence in there in terms of totally. the, the, the look of the movie. So it's not like I've never seen a uh, someone on a cool boat before or whatever. It's like <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen this in a movie before, but not that but, cool. But these are not these are that <laughs> cool <a> boat. <laughs> well, the tenant boat is pretty cool. Some of this shit is so cool. I'm just like I'll watch. I'll just put it on. Just look at the boat. But, um, but just the outfits in there. I mean, some some. Of this stuff is just it's like look i get i get it's art and everything but sometimes i'm just like man these are the most beautiful people wearing the best outfits there's a part in this movie where (laughs) dicaprio is wearing a suit and he pulls out a gun and i was like damn it i am an american i find that very attractive i I do i find pulling out a gun being aggressive and wearing a tie i'm just like yes i'm sorry i grew up here I'll tell you the moment that I had that moment that that reaction was when they're starting the big heist uh-huh. in in Inception and Tom Hardy does the the tricky the tricky pull of the passport as Cillian uh-huh. Murphy is passing along and then Leo does ha- they have that scene where where Leonardo DiCaprio like leans forward to to slip the Mickey into Cillian Murphy's drink his like uh-huh. super super his dope and he's like, I think you dropped this. And then he leans back and you see Cillian Murphy's suspenders and tie. Perfect. This like rich air, wealthy dude, suspenders and tie looks dope. And then they 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 keep going back and it's Leonardo DiCaprio and his like his white shirt and tie. And he's like all put together. And I was like, ooh, they got the hunks. And Tom Hardy's sitting right behind him, I think. Oh too. my God. So oh my God. Like, boom, boom, boom. And I was I had that moment too of like, oh my God, am I am I having this reaction right now where I really love these dudes in these clothes? <laughs> is this this is the power of costume yes. design yeah. and star yeah. power in a Just movie like this. Nailing it. It's like when you see a like a thoroughbred horse and you're like, look at how <laughs> yeah. shiny that is. My yeah. God. I mean, people that's are better. into horses, but that's just like No, let's compare Mwah! it to horses. That helps me out actually. It's not like these guys are gods and have unbelievable acting abilities. They're great actors, but let's talk about them like they're they're prized horses. Yeah. I yeah. prefer yeah. that. Yeah. 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 We and sometimes this. it's just satisfying. It's it's, it's okay. They I say the movie okay. stars. The the big talk now is because of because of uh, Marvel and and um, superhero films are movie stars dead. I mean, and uh, this is a this oh, is who a good said arc- that? Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino has been talking about it, and this, yeah, is a, okay, this is, has been going on for a couple of years. But it's like, is the, the uh, Inception is a good argument uh, and a relatively recent argument to keep the movie star alive because, uh, dang, these are some nice movie stars in this movie. Like, uh, uh, well, I'm not worried do about. I, I don't think Marvel is the issue. I think it's uh, Kardashians is the issue. It's like you have celebrities who aren't actually they don't do anything. 
And yeah. a, a cool a cool Marvel person is the same as a cool Inception person. It's well, and like for the modern era, the the next generation is coming up, maybe not looking at movie stars as much as social media stars or YouTube yeah. and TikTok mm. people that are more important in their life than Cillian Murphy, perhaps. <gasps> well, wait till they said see it. Oppenheimer. Sorry. Yes, that's, wait that's, till your tweens see Oppenheimer. And they'll <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. change their tune. <laughs> You're going to put the phone down. You're going to throw the phone away when you see Oppenheimer. I mean, (laughs) my daughter is four, and I haven't taken her to the movies, really, but I'm going to take her to Oppenheimer. (laughs) Have you taken her to any movies at all? Any, like, Mommy and Me screenings or anything like that? When she was a baby, I did. Um, but then, you know, COVID, and then I've I've suggested we go to the movies, and I think she just doesn't know what it is. So Mm -hmm. she's just like, no, I'd rather go to the park and... I'm like, actually, yeah, that's what you should do. You're for <laughs> tough to argue your kid out of that one. No, we're yeah. not going to the swing set. We're going yeah. to watch Oppenheimer. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's great because at that age, if you see a movie for the first time, you might you're liable to remember it. Like I don't remember the first movie I saw, but some people do, and I think it's because like if you see a movie around five or something, that's like, oh wow, I remember it. Whereas well, I just showed you. her uh, The Wizard of Oz for the first time. Yeah, uh, and and it was really it was so fascinating to be like this movie is really good and really beautifully made and deserves to be this famous and the witch is scary to her just as the witch was scary <laughs> to me like that's it just great. never changes <laughs> that's a great example of a movie that's like yeah still impressive technically still impressive musically still impressive like actor wise like Burt Lauer mm-hmm. And Amazing. Brilliant, like, brilliant. I mean, Judy Garland, it's, yeah. And storytelling wise, it's also cool. Cause if you stack that up against the movies of the day, they weren't telling stories like that. <laughs> yeah. No, it like was really. That was like completely fantastic and beyond the reach of, of studio cinema of the time. Uh, so just cool. I mean, whatever. I love old LA stuff. Just like learning about the MGM lot when they shot Wizard of Oz and like, the cast was staying across the street at the Culver Hotel. Sorry, I'm getting into L.A. Lord. No, no. Culver City, California. (laughs) Anyway, that's cool. So you watched Wizard of Oz. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have one that you were like, all right, we're going to watch. Watch. We have to see this. Um, I didn't have one that I was holding out for necessarily, but I would say that uh, introducing my daughter to Ghostbusters was a a bit of a Mm -hmm. moment. Back to the Future also, kind of ch- kid movies that I feel like she can appreciate the story of. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's there's plenty more to come there, but I don't know. I, we haven't watched that many movies because of COVID either, but getting back to the yeah. movies is a huge deal. Yeah. I think part of it is that I, <laughs> when I go to the movies, popcorn is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I'm like, well, until I can really feel comfortable eating popcorn, what's the point of taking her? Because she's not going to enjoy a movie without snacks. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. That's cruel and unusual. You can't, yeah. you can't go to the movie without It's snacks. like, how is she going to eat a handful of Trader Joe's dumplings in a movie theater? She can't. She should do that at home. I mean, that sounds pretty great. I've never taken dumplings to the theater, but I'd do it. I've taken a rotisserie chicken in there. I've taken a really? pizza in there. A yeah. rotisserie chicken? What did you take rotisserie chicken to? Uh, to the Vista Theater. Uh-huh. Um, I went to the Vons across the street. 
mm-hmm. with um, one of our roommates, Mickey. It was right after we moved to Los Angeles. We got a rotisserie chicken. <laughs> Uh, what movie did we take it into? Man, I wish I could pull this for you. We'll just say Lord of the Rings, uh, Fellowship of that the Rings. That that would actually be like, it was a people midnight would think screening. it was I like, <laughs> I can imagine some of the perhaps higher patrons who were uh-huh. there thinking it was like, oh, wow, I can actually smell the feasting. Yeah, the 3D medieval <laughs> oh, it's times like a, kind of experience. It's like that John Smell-a-vision. Goodman movie, Matinee. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> William Castle. Oh, they're yeah. feeding in the smell of roast beast. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe it. How is this? Whoa. I think that, I mean, if it was Lord of the Rings, it was like, you were doing them a favor. You were. Yeah. You really were. It was like Bilbo's house. I'm, prob- I'm actually pretty sure it wasn't that, but I'm going to say that it was. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I just incepted you, so now you're going to have that memory. Oh, you did it. And who yeah. knows? If we're awake right now, hold on, let me spin my oh, mouse good. around get the to- <laughs> on the table. The, the totem, the totem okay, out. that yeah. was Man. another thing I wanted to say, is that there was a discussion of Ariadne's totem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wait, what which one is it? hers? That's the chess piece, I think. Right? Yeah. Uh Hers is like a, a pawn or a bishop or something yes, like that? Yes, she she makes a, a chess piece of specific weight, tries to give it to uh, to Cobb, and he's like, I'm not going to touch it. I can't touch it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No or, yeah, she tries to give it to Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he's like, or no, she asks yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt for his, and he's like, no, I can't let you. Yeah, because I later, need to know. Uh, Cobb asks her for, his, for hers, for Elliot Page's. And she's like, mm, I can't. And he's like, ah, you're learning. Ah. Yeah, it's good, good job. I feel like the character is a woman. So it's an interesting one because it's a man playing I know, I almost, a woman. I pulled that. Playing a woman. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of like. A, a female yeah, character. Yeah. yeah, a female character being played by a man who was playing a woman to the world, I suppose. Yeah. The, like the, the layers of that are, are interesting. It's sort of not, you know, something that's part of the story. But. I, I suppose it it does add something now of like like our our presentation is part of is is also sort of not real, you know? Mm. Like mm-hmm. it's not just dreams and this is like these these people have this inner self that's yeah. being messed with. And the movie is not weird enough to be like, oh yeah, the guy who's like the rich son of everything. He's he's a really really weird person, because it's so focused on the heist. It doesn't get into like, well, what it, what what besides having a problem with his dad does he have going on in there? Nothing. There's no, yeah. nothing else is happening. Um, it's not a super movie- fun acting job for Cillian Murphy. <laughs> it's <laughs> not, but I don't care. I mean, his face is insane. <laughs> he's so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't Gorgeous. wait to watch that face. Look at a nuclear blast. You're I'm gonna, gonna, you're gonna, have a I'm gonna rewind to that airplane scene. <laughs> oh, can you imagine? Just watch it again. Watch it again. Watch it again. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, but that's gonna be in black and white. We're not gonna be able to see his his sweet sweet blue eyes. No, I'm sure. Right? They'll go, I'm sure they'll go color for a little bit. <laughs> well, they'll eyes will they'll turn do blue like a, a like a Schindler's List with the red coat on his eyes. Yeah. Yeah, that would be good. That'd be good storytelling. Okay. That would help me focus on the story. I think. <laughs> They're like, um, was your question movie. about Elliot Page's uh, totem, like the the efficacy of it, like what it just what it weird does? because it doesn't. It's like I don't know that I would be able to register that. It, it's like something spinning is like oh, okay. Well, it spins or it doesn't spin. Mm. It's not yeah. as it's not like oh well the would you remember really. 
Like what are waiter? what are even other examples of it? Because the loaded die that makes sense, right? Levitt's little thing, and he's like, "I can't let you touch this because I only know how this is loaded or whatever." Mm-hmm. But you need something that's like affected by the real, the real quote unquote world. Yeah, um, that could not exist in a dream, like a feather that you know won't drop to the ground or something. I don't know. What would yours be? What would your totem be? I don't even I mean, know. Yes. Mine, I've never thought about this. <laughs> Mine's probably my balls. That's the first thing I adjust every morning. Uh, or your phone. That's that's most of our, that's mostly our our totems is our phones. I think we- Yeah, we, does, you, my, you know the, does my you, doom scroll work? I suppose that's that. I mean, to, you, to go to your joke, I think that you you do know the weight of your balls better than anybody else. You know, I, I would say that what are the things you're constantly like uh, fidgeting? I, I actually do think phone you know what your phone case and the weight of it feels like. Like if you like if there's another someone else's phone sitting out and you go and pick it up, you go, wait, that's not mine. There's another. There's a different. Yeah, you know, that's you, true. You, you, that's true. That, like you probably yeah. and know. And then you that take it anyway because <laughs> free phone. Yeah, because you're, you're like, oh, there's money in here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think as a t- yeah, I mean something you touch a lot would probably be a good t- totem. Like what, my yeah, keys. Ryan's, yeah, keys maybe. A yeah, key. Yeah, that's good. I just think phone because um, it's also very often the first thing you look at when you wake up. But sometimes before your eyes are even open, you you're reaching for your phone. Uh, my like, chapstick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Your classic chapstick. Of my, <laughs> my tube of Carmex. The uh, the comedy version of this though. This is, is the Mister Bean like, goes <laughs> to, to, in, to inception. Your, your rotisserie chicken on your head. <laughs> Yeah, I have to. That would be great. Like the there's like a, a crew member that was cut out of the movie, uh, and his totem is just he 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 hefts a, a rotisserie chicken in his hand to see the, that the weight hasn't changed, <laughs> that nobody stole a leg while he was dreaming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there, it would. I think that's why they were so careful with the. <laughs> With the imagery. I really like to just laying it all out there. It's like, yeah, that's why you have to make it James Bond because it's so close to being hilarious. Yeah. 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 It is silly adjacent a lot of the time in a way that they have fun with, I think. At least Tom Hardy seems to be like, I don't know, in a bunch of the scenes, he's kind of like, this is kind of dumb. He's like, it's all about the dads. Duh. I hear this criticism of every Nolan movie. I'm kind of tired of it. Like as a th- like, I'm, I don't know. I don't find that interesting anymore. The criticism of like, that's a little silly, isn't it? Is like, okay, well, it's all it's all silly. Because it's, it's it's all, all silly. Movies, every movie you it? see is silly. It's every yeah. movie you see is silly. Like just except relax. movies that involve like children dying or being kidnapped. And but even like, those are just uh, those are just plays they're just little yeah. shadow no because plays. if like, it's based on something real and i have to watch people act out the horrible experience of a real person yeah, like that's why yeah. i'm not into true crime it's mm-hmm. like i don't want to watch somebody do an impression of a family member of a person murdered by a serial killer yeah like, well but bleh. it is tone it is completely tone and direction and writing of course yeah but like yeah like true detective that could be silly oh yeah like, the, the like weird bones structures and stuff like that's weird <laughs> yeah. that's not necessary yeah. it doesn't have to be scary if it was like a garfield special that would be funny oh man mm-hmm. they're making yeah. little bone statues <laughs> Gar- garfield made a bone that's funny 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, that- he made a bone statue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he likes bones. Get it? Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I, well, I totally, I totally get what bones. you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He does like fish bones. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of uh, of uh, of uh, things you don't like to watch and that make you panic, what is what is your mama panic attack assessment on Inception? Um. Uh, my MPA rating, Mama Panic Attack Assessment, which is uh, the rating based on how much this this <laughs> bothered me or didn't bother me as a parent of a small child. Uh, and I think the idea that his children might not be real. His wife kills herself. All right. Oh, too bad. But uh, <laughs> the idea that maybe your children aren't real um, is... Like, I can handle it now because my kid's older. But I think when I was first had had a baby and I was alone in the house and I was like, "Is the, did this really happen? Because this is insane. Uh, I think this movie might bring that up for you. Like, uh, does this, is this possible what just happened? Um, so I would give this, uh, like, not for the the bulk of the movie, but for that element of the movie, I would give it, a PG, like nothing happens to the children, but just the, the kind of, mm, the the maybe your children aren't real is a little uncomfortable. <laughs> PG for yeah. maybe your children aren't real. Did you ever wonder if your children are real? <laughs> <laughs> Check your totem, moms. Yes, yeah, yeah. Get the totem <laughs> out. Well, it is a life change. It's the biggest change that you will ever go through in your life is going from having not having a child to having a child. And so I can see it being like, uh, wait a minute, is it real? Yeah. We really doing this? And it's it's not quite as insane as like the aforementioned Shutter Island where it's like, oh, my spouse did away with my, like they were real and it's a horror element. It's It's like more a fantasy element or something yeah it's not as awful because if they're not real it's like okay well he feels better about it but it's not like i don't have the the sense that it's like well something bad happened to them it's just that no they're not real because he's in a dream yeah i think you'd have to go pretty hard to make it uh as bad as shutter island yeah (laughs) but you know what i'm all about it i'm like good idea dicaprio excellent work go to shutter island shutter island it up Mm-hmm. I mean, like, who would? I mean, come on, right? I think we would all go to Shutter Island, would you not? Or would you be like, I want to know the truth? Ugh. I'd go to Shutter Island. <laughs> Are you saying if, if your I was wife, the, yeah. uh, oh. uh, killed your children and herself, would you be You're like just saying you'd lose it? Oh, I, oh, I would live. I would live in the fantasy. I, I also hope yeah. that I would. That I would. I would. I think I would be gunning hard for the um, for the lobotomy. I think I would be doing whatever I had to do to get that lobotomy. <laughs> you would be the one that's like, I'm a little extra cuckoo today. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, fe- I'm feeling like I might here? need a lobotomy, doctors. <laughs> Can get I have a lobotomy? I think baseballs are pie. <laughs> <laughs> get my brain out of here. <laughs> yeah, the kind of stuff that happens in dreams, right? <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, but do you have a mama panic attack assessment? Because you are a oh, parent, yeah. even if you're not a yes. mama. Yeah. Uh, did, did this did this prick anything in your your uh, any discomfort? Oh my, a that? papa a PPAA? <laughs> yes. A, I said yeah. Um, a PP? Yes. I said PP. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, what rating? Gosh, 
I mean, I think I fall in about the same spot. There's a lot of shooting, but not a lot of blood. There's mm-hmm. a lot of action, but not a lot of punching. So it's pretty much, it's pretty much a fun movie if you don't see the part where he is with his wife. If yeah. he's with his wife, then I think also like my kids wouldn't even absorb what exactly is upsetting him so much. <laughs> like, right. Because you don't see her die. You see her like fall off and he's super well, I upset. I you know that she dies. And like, yeah, they'd be able to put together that that was bad. You think, you yeah. think they can figure that out? But it's not, like, it's not like she lands on a spike that goes through her stomach and it's right. gory or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, PG seems right. Uh, parental guidance suggested. Yeah. I do think it's, you know, I have one, one, only one rewrite suggestion for this movie, which is that the idea that he incepted into her the idea that things, that she's living in a dream, to me seemed like overkill. Because I think you would maybe just think that by virtue of living in dreams so much. Like if you lived in yeah, a how dream. how would she forget that? If you mm-hmm. lived in a dream for Boy. 50 years. I think you might wake up and go, ah, am I really awake? Like, and in the movie, it's this big revelation of like, ah, I'm responsible because I yeah. accepted it in her. It's like, maybe you didn't even need, maybe she would have done that anyway. <laughs> yeah. That's it, isn't it? The, that's, yeah. that's really the nail on the head. That's that's why they must have made that decision is so that it lands solely on his shoulders without argument, right? Irrefutably, if he does that, then it's like, oh, even if she didn't think that on her own, yeah, it's your it's fault, fault, and you have so yeah. much more anguish and like source material for suffering. <laughs> but he needed yeah. a, he she would have gotten there on her about. own. He's yes. almost there on his own. At the end, he's like, "You're one." I mean, the the ending is designed right. so that it's like, "Well, are you?" I mean, you're meant. To, they're they're trying to put the audience in that position of like, "Well, is he a dream or not, or whatever?" Like, but so. you know what? I really appreciate that he says, "You know how I know it's real is that I feel this guilt all the time." Mm-hmm. Like I know that I'm not in a dream because I feel this guilt all the time, mm. and I was like, "Hey, man, I I feel you." <laughs> well, when you feel guilt, you feel it well. <laughs> like, I think that's it's like, oh yeah, that is guilt is 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 kind of like a if it doesn't feel like it's a dream emotion as much as it's, it's a, a waking up and being like, oh no, that really happened. Mm. Kind of an emotion. Or I'm sorry, Ryan. Are you having a lot of guilt dreams? No, no, (laughs) I don't. No, I don't have guilt dreams. I'm just reminded of how the one, the the most vivid. That's depressing to think about. But the most, one of the most vivid dream memories I have is right after people have died in my life. Mm -hmm. The very first sleep that I have and wake up from. There's a minute where you wake up and you forget that it's happened Mm -hmm. because your Mm -hmm. mind has not recognized that reality yet. And that's Mm -hmm. always it. Happens every time someone significant dies. In my life, I have the first night sleep. I wake up and I go, mm, ah, and then you have like about 10 seconds for it, for the reality mm-hmm. to sink in. It's wow, man. Yeah, I relate to that for sure. Mm-hmm. With 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 grief presents in that way for me too. Mm-hmm. And also just not even people dying, but, <clears throat> um, and what does this say about my mental state? But the moments when you wake up and you're like, Oh man, I got it. I just remembered all the stuff uh in my life in my life. <laughs> right. There's plenty of joy and bounty yeah. in my life, but maybe some people can relate to me where it's like, yeah, there's nightmares that happen in your sleep, but then you wake up and you're like, oh right, I gotta go do that shit today. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Like There's actually, that... no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not even to the to the degree of like, oh, I lost someone that I love. It's just like, oh man. Oh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now right. I'm awake. Realizing what kind of day it's going to be is uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I'm going to be so uncomfortable. I have that about places where it's like, okay, I had a really horrible experience in this place, and it's not a dream. It really happened. But when I go back there, it's like I'm half experiencing that thing, and I just have to keep going so that I wear it out. And it's mm. like. Oh yeah, the Grove is not a sad place anymore. Let me just keep going until it's a fine oh, yeah. place. Yeah, it's exposure response. That's uh, just keep yeah. cycling through versions of it until we spin up on a positive <laughs> yeah. one and ding ding yeah. ding. All right, let's I go. Love Time it. to go to the Grove. I love Dylan's candy bar. It's a fun place. It's a fun place. I love it here. It's great. I, I like the it. band that plays there. I like the fountain. I like that everyone gathers around the fountain. I like maybe the Grove is like one of maybe I Caruso like made that in the limbo. Maybe he made that's what he he designed down there when he was down there in 50 years came back with the plans for america <laughs> was the last thing that mall designed was the grove <clears throat> you know what i'm leaving that's you what, with this <laughs> that's what caruso failed to do he spent 100 million dollars and he just didn't incept enough people to yeah. get them to vote for him yeah he should have oh, la yeah. politics guys yeah. yeah um what should we rate this movie out of we got to rate this on a scale of something specific uh, totems, to the movie. obviously what is the totem the spinning, mm, okay. the spinning, the cool totem. totem, the spinning, uh, the spinning, the top, the spinning top. Spinning I mean, top? unless you like want to rate jack it on, or something, almost. I'm like just damn handsome men. <laughs> yeah, how many rich, rich man suspenders, <laughs> rich man neckties? I mean, that's uh, a, that's a, that's the totem of this conversation is the is a handsome men and suspenders. Well, how many totems are we talking about here? Uh, we're on a scale of four. Uh, we'll go. For, uh, Ann and I will go first, and then uh, um, uh, Cassidy, your uh, rating will forever be the official rating of this movie. So our our ratings forever are and always, out, and forever and always. Anyone that has a question about Inception, this is you're calling it today. We, we that's that's the power mm -hmm. of this show. Take it up with um, me. Yeah. For me, uh, I, I'm happy to go first. The uh, the movie Inception. Like I said, the first time I saw it, it was it was sort of I wouldn't say it was an entirely pleasant experience, but I would say that I had that absolute uh, moment, that spark, that realization that I was watching a new kind of story construction. And if there's some example of it that precedes it, then write in and tell us what it is. But that was the first time I ever saw it in a movie theater where it's like, whoa, it's getting slower and slower as we go down. And it's it's one of the kind of like mind-blowing kind of moments that I've had in a movie. And also, as we're saying, the actual just production of the movie is beautiful. So flaws and all. And there's flaws. Like we, I, I could I could nitpick all day, but this is a four out of four uh <laughs> Handsome men in suspenders. <laughs> Smoking hot men in suspenders. I said uh, damn hot, but yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. Smoking hot is good yeah. too. Um, yeah, I think in in this movie, and I think in Nolan movies in general, they have a very interesting question about uh, sort of the emotion tied to time and time and emotion and reality all is being like repeated questions of the the time the experience of time 
the experience of emotion as it reflects on what reality actually is and that reality is flexible based on emotion. The same thing in Interstellar. It's like, well, why don't we go here? Well, we can go towards love. Like, you know what? As a basis for science, that doesn't sound like it makes any sense. But if you're going to be talking about uh, artistry and kind of like what drives human beings to do things, I do think that one of the main motivators is love and art. And I think it's really interesting that this movie creates a heist out of what is essentially somebody trying to find out if they're loved. And they're able to crack a safe based on someone saying, does my father love me? I so desperately want to know because I don't think he does. And I think it's true. I think that's true. I think people live whole lives trying to find the answer to that question or the answer to another question about love. Um, And I just think it's so amazing when you have someone who's working with millions and millions of dollars who's interested in talking about something like that. Um, So I give it four damn hot man just like oh oh my god so hot and joseph gordon levitt i didn't mention also mm, 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 damn oh, yes oh hit record on that <laughs> hit record <Joseph. clears throat> i mean i think you guys nailed nailed it right on the head the the accumulation of design and storytelling in the movie is incredible um the score to the movie, like I mentioned, is uh, a favorite of mine. The soundscape beyond that also. And the ability to wrap a story, like you said. It's even also, we discover that story within. Like the motivation of the story is, I want to make sure that this company doesn't become a monopoly. And in in the architecture of our scheme, we uncover that this kid wants to be loved and find love from his dad. Mm-hmm. And we you get this kernel of kind of human carnal knowledge that you're seeking, which is the real the real treasure here. It ends up being the real grail of the movie. Um and yes, there's some stuff that makes zero zero sense, capital Z zero, <laughs> but it you take it with like a time travel movie that you love, like Back mm-hmm. to the Future or like a looper. Mm. For mm-hmm. another Jogalo hit record example, like there's stuff that doesn't quite add up in those movies, but it so much of it adds up, so much of it is symmetrical. And Back to the Future is a bad example, actually, because that might be airtight uh, with some ex- with some exceptions yeah, that really in the happened. sequels. Yeah. And that's also yeah, most people don't know that 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 is all true and yeah. um, mostly a documentary. Um, the the like the effect of watching it is the same as it was when I watched it when it came out. Like you said, Ryan, like I watched it again and I was like, oh, this still feels like a new thing, even though I've watched Tenet since then, <laughs> which is kind of that again, mm-hmm. even though it's from the same guy. Uh, and it builds on other movies, but doesn't feel like it's stealing stuff like overtly. It seems like it's at least dressed up as a new thing. Yeah, it's it's for it's for hmm, let's see. Not smoking hot. Damn hot. <laughs> Dudes in suspenders. Um it's a four out of four for me. I I mean, I wanted to give it a three point five to just to kind of give it variety, but at the last second I pulled that punch. 
mm-hmm. and I just got to give it four out of four. Sorry, guys. It's it's a home run. <laughs> I love it. I'd watch it again right now. It is a home run. You know, yeah, um, are you watching it right now? Maybe. Well, you know what yeah. happened with this movie is I watched this movie and then I was like, you know, let me just revisit because I was I was going to talk all about how my whole thing was. It's like Dunkirk and it's like Tenet. I was going to come in and come on all hot on that and said, it, well, it's really like Interstellar. And I was like, Interstellar. And I went back and rewatched Interstellar and that which I had undervalued. I was blown away by. I was like, I, I mean, the, the, the undercurrent of what I'm, I've been saying is like, I love Inception, but Interstellar, what a movie that is. That's another, we, you come Dude, back and I, talk about that. Anytime. I love Interstellar too. I don't know that I love it on the whole as much as Inception, just because Inception was such a juicy apple for, mm. at the, for the time. But I don't think we get Interstellar without Inception mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. not just based on the first two letters of it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But and I know I'm harping on the score, but that is maybe my favorite Hans Zimmer score is Interstellar. I love it. You know what I, I love, watched love, the thing, love it, love it, love it. I watched and it. I, did you know this? They that he gave Nolan said he said he didn't even tell him what the movie was about, and he said just give me two minutes of music, and then everything yeah. built off of that. Yeah, isn't that incredible? <laughs> Wait, that is how did so he... cool? Wow, <laughs> that's like these things don't happen all the time. This like John Williams Spielberg. Mm-hmm. kismet that's going on here like there's only you know there's not that many of these relationships in in entertainment history it's so cool and that and i hope i hope we get another dozen movies out of these guys yeah we got i think we there's, will yeah. there's more on the way um and yeah handsome and suspenders for sure but also the performances are good tom hardy and these hunks they're acting their mm-hmm. asses off i buy it i buy the whole thing i love it yeah and uh, and uh, you know what? You join their ranks, uh, Cassidy. Uh, 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 where can where can uh, you're always working on something? And, and wait, did you just call him a musician or handsome? I <laughs> you know you're a hunk in suspenders. Put some suspenders on. You can do it. Um, oh, I'll take it. Uh, uh, where can people? No, people, I agree. I agree. I'm just saying. Yes. <laughs> uh, but thank you so much for for being here today. This is a this is this is a fascinating movie to talk uh, about, and this was a. I, I, I re- I've really enjoyed uh, listening uh, to, to, to everyone talk about it. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Likewise. Uh, where can people find you? And I assume most people listening uh, know know you already, uh, are familiar with you already. But uh, if if not, uh, where where's the best place to find you and what's going on? Uh, you can check me out at Michael Cassidy on Insta or Twitter. And my band... Uh, Don't Stop or We'll Die with Paul Rust and Amin Zarukian and Tony Thaxton. We release a brand new song every Wednesday on our podcast, Song a Week. You can get that anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been writing songs for the show Central Park on Apple Plus. You can hear our tunes over there. Mm-hmm. More band stuff at Don't Stop or We'll Die.com. Uh, that's where you can find me. More on the way. More on the way. Awesome. That's the place to go. These songs are great. It is a great follow. A great follow. Yeah, I just uh-huh. got Apple TV, so I'll have to check that out. Ooh-wee! <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're going to get a dollar or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about right. But thank oh, you thank so you much so for much. having me, guys. Big fan yeah. of you guys as people and as the podcast, also as a person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, wow. Really? Podcasts are people uh, now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, this show has been a... You know what this show's been? A dream Ooh. to record. Ooh. Turn off the fentanyl drip and wake up. Bye.